You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Liam, let's uh, let's do a Robin Hood movie. Oh, wow, that sounds great. I mean, it's been a while since we've had a Robin Hood adaptation. There's a real timely theme about rich and poor and class struggle. That's exciting. I can't wait. What's your what's your take on Robin Hood going to be? No, I hadn't really thought that far ahead. I just want to make a Robin Hood movie. Oh, uh, I, I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast where we take hoard the good ideas and then disperse them as needed to the needy movies of the village. Uh, and today will be no different. Uh, we can fancy ourselves some uh, some some Robin Hoods, uh, and that's uh, the movie we're talking about. No, not the Robin Hood movie you're thinking of or the other Robin Hood movie you're thinking of, the 2018 one. Yeah, there was a 2018 one. This is Netflix, right? It was a Netflix joint. Uh, it could be, yeah, it could very well be. For all um, I know, as for all as much as I know about about this particular Robin Hood, we are watching Robin Space Hood, the 2018 film. Uh, I, of course, am your host Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And yeah, this was uh, this was uh, a film uh, that starred Taron uh, Egerton. Jamie J.B. Fox, which I took a minute to be like, Jamie Fox is in this, and then <laughs> Ben Mendelsohn's in it, and I'm like, oh man, Ben Mendelsohn's in it. Uh, uh, Eve Houston, and of course uh, Jamie Doran, who uh, I did not recognize from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey because I've never seen those movies. I claim. Yeah, it took me a long time to clock who that was yeah. <laughs> or why I kind of recognized his face. This cast is on paper very good and unfortunately the paper they were given to read lines off of for this film was not uh what yeah. i'm saying is that they are they are wasted on this film <laughs> yeah tim minchin's in it as well um it's uh it's one of those it's one of those scripts that um the actors are really challenged to make sound <laughs> good in any way like it's it's one of those ones where it's just like i know these are good actors but they do not sound like good actors at all yeah this i dare say this might have been one of the funniest movies we've done in a long time i unintentionally oh, funny yeah. <laughs> not intentionally at all but there's just so many so many choices that just made me like what are you doing movie come on Come oh, yeah. on, get it together. Like a lot, of, a is... lot of times when we watch these, I get very cynical. I get very like, oh, the people on this just didn't even care. This is some corporate trash. And like this was just like, what are you doing, guys? <laughs> yeah, th- this is a movie that definitely made some choices, and stands testament to the fact that sometimes, sometimes the choices you make as a director are not necessarily the right ones. Um, and I mean, I will, I will say I respect Otto Bathurst for having made choices because there are a lot of directors <laughs> who don't and their movies yeah. suffer for them. But like, wow, this is, this is a thing that was put on film and shown in theaters. It I think is, it was, it was folding uh, ideas who put it most aptly that th- this was zero dark Loxley. 
Like, <laughs> just like let's let's take like Black Hawk Down and Robin Hood and a Christopher Nolan movie and just mash those all down <laughs> is in into one single semi cohesive blockbuster piece of entertainment. Yeah, this is yeah, a movie did. that doesn't understand how bows work because it seems to think <laughs> that bows are AK forty sevens. And they're that's not, not even the silliest like like your tree completely valid and accurate point but also like not even top 10 list of grievances with this film of like <laughs> too, too, they got too liberal with the bow firing is like kind of what you hope for in a bow and arrow action movie <laughs> but they spent no time like caring about the art of bowmanship to make it worthwhile that they're just blasting them around like you know submachine guns yeah no it's it's nonsense. The, this movie's approach to medieval warfare is it's the same as modern warfare, right? And <laughs> yes. n- no, I don't think that's how it works. And th- like this, this movie, this movie has, this movie is a modern movie that just happens to be set in w- what is on paper, a medieval world, but and and uses on paper medieval technology but is is just <laughs> like it's it's modern people doing modern things with with old technology and it's really jarring it's really jarring i got yeah. the sense watching it and i and i said this in the chat yesterday when we were watching it that I, I felt like the the director had a really good pitch to do like a Call of Duty movie, and that was like the movie that he was really fired up to do. And instead, they were like, "Okay, you can do that, but here's Robin Hood." <laughs> yeah, I wonder, yeah, I wonder whose like choice that was. Who's if it was his or if it was like the studios like make me Call of Duty Robin Hood, but we we got Call of Duty Robin Hood. <laughs> we were we were sitting after the film and discussing it. And one thing that uh, my wife, who, as always, was watching the movie with me, uh, said was that she couldn't understand why the modern touchstones in this movie were so jarring to her and, and were taking her out of the action when they did something very similar in A Knight's Tale. And it worked. And it's quite a charming movie. And it clicked with her. And I think that it's partly because... Um, I'm a great, we were talking about it a little before the episode too, and Greg had you had said that it's partly the tone, perhaps, but yeah. I, it's also because in a Knight's Tale, the modern references are kind of sprinkled in to make the story accessible to a modern audience. So it's still a medieval story, but there's a little bit of of modern attitude in it, so that you're like, okay, this this is familiar to me now. I'm understanding what's going on better because I have a little context. Whereas here, it's just all over the place. It's just a modern story that's that's dressed up like a renaissance fair and a really bizarrely modern renaissance fair at yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, like there's um there's the elements are, you know, there's some rock and roll music in there. There's um, you know, very very modern clothing. Um I mean like the the sheriff of Nottingham basically is wearing a tailor-made suit he's also um, way coded as a nazi he's wearing a nazi uniform basically yeah sure yeah and, and uh, uh, marion's looks straight out of vogue like some actually great like isolated as frames from the movie fabulous outfit she looks great she oh wears most of the outfits are fabulous i would i would wear some of the stuff taron egerton and jamie fox are wearing in this movie because they look yeah. like they came out of a kelvin klein catalog yeah, yeah, they look super comfortable, like which I imagine the medieval times were probably not. 
<laughs> Though I like a lot of the Robin Hood stuff does have him in tight, so I guess this is kind of like better. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> is it? Is it? Yeah. Is it better or worse than? If you think the about what Robin Hood wears. Thing. Do you really want to see some adult man wearing? It's the same with the X Men costumes. It's the reason Wolverine's not in yellow. Like it doesn't. I'm starting to come around on these costumes. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, like I, uh, I I I told I told Scott uh, before we started that like it kind of broke my brain a little bit because I felt like I was digging the modern aesthetic, but only to a point, or that I just like I I, I liked it, but not enough, and I couldn't understand why. And I and I'm still kind of uh, in that in that vein. I I definitely think like if there was if part of the, like part of the problem feels like the realism to me, like. If it was, if this was more of, um, if this was directed more like a, a John Wick movie, uh, or or something more eminently stylistic, or if it was directed by the Wachowskis or something like that, I think it would, I, I think it would be given the flair uh, it deserves to sort of um, get away with the, the modern sensibilities that it has. I kind of agree with that. I, and that comes back to your initial comment about uh, the tone being a little off. The movie takes itself way too seriously for the aesthetic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And for how uh, first drafty the dialogue is. <laughs> yeah. Um, too. yeah. Like they're so earnestly saying like just just like pl- platitudes and like just like first pass. Like not. Yeah. It- it's kind of like watching a movie that's just slowly reading the plot summary out to you. Yeah. This is <laughs> you know, like the characters are just telling you exactly what's happening. Yeah. A lot of that kind of dialogue that yeah, with 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 multiple script passes, that kind of stuff gets ironed out and and smoothed out and sort of hidden in clever lines and something. So yeah, this maybe maybe a little bit of a rushed feel. Um but uh let's uh let's go to the trailer and uh, set this movie up for the folks who might not have seen it, which by the response we got a lot of people. There's been whispers of a thief. I'm the law and order here. Any talk of the thief, bring it to me. One thing keeps him in power. The money. We steal it. Want to hit the treasury itself? Set up a meeting. Everyone who's with us. This is our shot. Here's the plan. This is an inside job. You are a lord. Get close with the sheriff. Who do you think the thief is? Clearly he's well trained. Adaptable under fire. You'll get him eventually. We're all suspects now. If we get caught, they will kill us all. Really inspiring. Thanks. You're not Robin of Loxley anymore. You're Robin Hood. While the working class of Nottingham are struggling to eke out a meager living, a rich religious cabal and brutal police force are conspiring to squeeze them for their last ounce of wealth to fund a violent coup. That may sound like fanfic from our anarchist scene, but it's an actual Robin Hood movie that actually happened with actors and everything. But this isn't your dad's Robin Hood. It's not even your grandfather's Robin Hood. Because those versions were good, and this one isn't. 
Now, you may notice that was a little light <laughs> on details as a plot summary, but I uh, just didn't feel it. Like it, des- it didn't deserve it. It, wasn't, no, it was this, so boring. This movie is quite light on plot details as well. So. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, yeah you, you know the broad stroke the broad strokes. Robin Hood has to defeat the sheriff of Nottingham, and eventually he does. And that's that's about as far as the movie's really. Yeah, steal all his steal all his money. Do I think the yeah. thing this movie, dare I say, tried to do differently? But uh, um, I haven't seen enough of the rest of Robin Hood's cinematic oeuvre to know how often this does or doesn't come up. But played it where he he's buddy buddy with the sheriff. Um, you know, he as as Robin of Loxley, he's hanging out, rubbing shoulders with the rich, and then by night, uh, he is uh, the hood, uh, robbing them blind and saying, "I can't believe, I can't believe, bad things are happening to rich people." Ah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's Batmaning all over the place in this movie, and uh, Batman, and that's kind of part of it is that he, in order to properly Batman, one has to have a secret identity. So he kind of Bruce Wayne's with the Sheriff of Nottingham. And I'll admit it's the one plot thing that I kind of dug <laughs> him, him like weaseling his way into the Sheriff's confidence so that he could like learn more about uh, like where money was being moved and how he'd better be able to hit it and stuff. That was actually kind of a clever take on it but unfortunately it's just wasted on the rest of this movie yeah it certainly gets him involved a whole lot more with the uh with the sheriff of of nottingham i suppose it definitely gives gives the sheriff an excuse to be on screen more and when you've got like ben mendelson playing the sheriff you want to have him fill up that screen as much as he possibly can yeah, and but I think it's been observed that it really does wear its Batman inspiration kind of on its sleeve in a, in a way that's sort of embarrassing. Uh, again, yeah. funny, funniest movie we've watched in a while. The number of times <laughs> I laughed at this movie. Um, uh, yeah, Greg, you had pointed out the uh, the, the uh, casino scene. Yeah, like the, there's there's a whole sort of casino scene that sort of uh, mirrors um, the scene in The Dark Knight in the restaurant where... Um, a, a few characters who share different opinions about the Batman are sort of t- talking through their perspectives on it. And it kind of like from, uh, you know, in the dark Knight that gives you an idea of like the different philosophies of Batman and, and that kind of stuff. Right. And then they kind of try and do the same thing here um, in this uh, casino scene where they've got the, all the major players in the same spot and they're all, talking about Robin Hood and Robin Hood's there too and they don't know that it's him and they're in you know he's kind of playing coy with it um it has all sort of all the 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 hallmarks of that scene but um none of the meat or weight or or um interest you know also a real uh Baz Luhrmann-y casino scene like if you're watching it's like oh it's uh it's um Greg Gatsby all over again (laughs) yeah yeah really felt that way they also um, lift whole cloth the idea that um, Robin Hood's, uh, oh, yeah. you know, true identity <laughs> is his alter ego, right? Like <laughs> he says it flat like, out. Yeah, yeah. It's like Loxley is your mask. <laughs> yeah, they really try to make the hood seem like a. It's a symbol we can all rally behind. Everyone take a hood. <laughs> oh, you know what's kind of? I just realized that like the hoods. 
that they nail to the walls as Robin Hood is doing his Robin Hood stuff. Yep. That's very similar to the chalk etchings of Batman, Batman, Batman yeah. symbol that they this do in the, the Dark Knight Rises. I just realized yeah, that. Yeah, this movie wants to be Christopher Nolan's <laughs> Batman movies yeah. so badly. <laughs> so badly. It's, I feel like a, that must have been a production note at some point. Is some, some producer was like, could you make this more Batman? Want more Batman in my Robin Hood? Batman was very successful. People want more Batman, but this is a Robin Hood movie. Yeah, but it should be Batman. It definitely seems like a, a producer somewhere, you know, thought of like I want. We should d- take a you know Robin Hood and then turn it into a superhero, right? So even the even the intro, if you think about the intro and outro, it's done like a comic book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it actually is. Yeah. I'll save it for my notes, but I have two. My, my, my biggest criticisms are the very beginning and the very end of this movie. Yeah, um, I, I think that I think that's the the, the thing that um, uh, makes this movie bad is like if you <clears throat> if you steal all of your ideas, um, then you know, like you're and, and if you rip them off too blatantly, like obviously art is is sort of like a, a rolling collaborative process and like, you know, the copying is a big part of it, but like, you know, um, there's homage and then there's straight up lifting. And, and if you don't, if you just steal all your ideas, but don't really have a good understanding of what make, made those good in the first place, you're going to end up making a pretty bad movie. Yeah. What, what, what were some of the things you earnestly enjoyed? Because I, I do, I find we sometimes get, get a little cynical, but uh, we also have to sit through some, <laughs> some real robin hoods uh <laughs> well I, i'd already mentioned i liked the uh the plot point of uh robin using his uh using his nobility to get into the sheriff's good graces by day i thought that was an interesting play that i i don't remember having ever seen in a robin hood movie before so i thought yeah that was good i liked that again i think it was it was wasted on this film but definitely a good idea yeah, I'm gonna. I'm I'm struggling a little a little bit. Like I, <laughs> like the action I suppose... was good. I think like it's good, but like again, the bow stuff is fun, but it was like kind of unearned. Like, yeah, and it's and it loses its it loses its magic if Robin Hood is supposed to be this awesome like Legolas style bowman, and everyone is shooting bows that are like exploding walls. Like it it doesn't matter then. Because everybody's yeah. an expert sharpshooter in this movie. Uh, he should be wielding a bow in, like, crazy stylistic combat, like a like a Tolkien elf. And everyone else should be swinging swords at him. But apparently swords are outlawed in Nottingham. Because we don't see a single one in the entire movie. Even to the point where they're like, this, is, this fight's going to happen up close. Here's an up-close bow. <laughs> like, get a sword! Get a sword. Use use a sword. Do some swashbuckling. No, yeah, no one had swords in this movie. Again, <laughs> I, I probably won't be the last time. Funniest movie we've watched in a while. Like, like Robin Hood is known for swashbuckling, and that involves a little bit of swordplay. And I'm okay with him being just like a bow guy, but it loses its magic if everyone is a bow guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think... Um, by extension, doing that, Scott, having him being the, the one guy that's using the bow all the time, it, it like it's an inherently kind of seems like a weapon that's sort of a disadvantage in certain places. So it would also serve to up the tension a little bit. Plus, I mean, Robin Hood is supposed to be this epic bowman like that's kind of his shtick. So it yeah. it makes him stand out if he's the guy using the bow in every situation to the point of being almost comical. But it works in an action movie. 
it's just again maybe don't have everyone using the bows <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the opening the opening action sequence involves a bow gatling gun oh and at one point <laughs> they're shot with a bow rocket launcher at one point too yeah yeah in the movie it's absolutely nuts i i i, I found myself um having a bad laugh at um the uh bows drawn and pointing them around corners as, as if they're clearing rooms with their bows and stuff like that the way that you know a, a military personnel would and like especially in the first scene because they're all using long bows and they're so big and they're just like making these wild long swings to sweep the room and stuff i, I yeah i got a good <laughs> chuckle out of that yeah <laughs> Um, like we said, this movie makes choices, and that was one of them. Yep. But we yeah. got ourselves derailed onto something that was terrible about the movie again. <laughs> we're, we were trying to focus on the positives. I, I wanted to bring up, just because I think me and Leon will have a conflict about this, because we did in the chat. Mm-hmm. There was There's a scene in the, there's a big long chase scene um, with kind of horse chariots chasing each other around an industrial area. And at one point, um, they go into one of the industrial buildings, and there's an enormous vat, like just this huge. I don't think I want to how to describe it. It's just, a, like, just a big smelting pot. Yeah, and you know it's the size of like it's as tall as like two people basically, and it's full. It's full of molten metal, and <laughs> I started complaining that like the the amount of heat that you would need to melt that much metal and keep it hot uh, for it to be tipped over like yeah, that. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> running underneath it. <laughs> yeah, the heat... But, uh, yeah. but, but Liam said he was all for it. <laughs> I, I was just like, again, it's one of those things where it's like, my problem with movies are rarely the, like, the pedantic, like, not not to say you're being pedantic, but just like, the those like, oh, do, do, go, a gun wouldn't fire that way kind of like uh, <laughs> things, and more like, was there intention in in the dialogue and the and the delivery and so yeah like the because you can tell all the dialogue has a first pass like no giving a shit towards like making interesting dialogue big obvious set piece lava pools become much more egregious whereas if they've <laughs> got you with the love and the characters and the relationships and the dialogue in between you don't care that they ran under a giant you know, yeah, and so yeah, it, one, yeah I think you're right. You tend to you tend to pick apart the flaws if if the uh, if it doesn't have as as many redeeming qualities as you want. Yeah, I'm also I'm glad you brought that up because the 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 vat scene is a perfect illustration of, of what you're talking about. But uh, you know, they they have this enormous set piece um, and this really it, it makes for one cool shot where the horses are running in front of this big spilling vat of molten lava. But it doesn't do anything. They just, they go under it, it spills, and then they just continue on, and it presents absolutely no danger to yeah, them, it's... which I, is super frustrating. If, like, if that's your huge money shot for that particular scene, that's wasted. Yeah, it, it was meant basically just to silhouette them in lava for half a second. Yeah. Like, it, it was entirely Trailer. just an aesthetic moment. It didn't actually like contribute to the danger of the scene or up these stakes in any way. 
It's like at one point they light a fire to cut off some bad guys, and then the sheriff just tells a bunch of like his jackbooted stormtroopers <laughs> to like get the fire out of the way, and they use their shields and just move the fire. And we were all it like ants. Yeah, and we were we were legitimately like, I don't think fire works that way. Like, <laughs> get out of here, fire! You, you shoot, yeah. shoot the guys walking. Yeah, it. Well, that, that that fire was like it was like they they had put it on a dolly and it just like and it just moved with the with the shields. It was yeah, it looked it looked real bad. Even like because they didn't they didn't even try to like give you like a little bit of like oh there's still little flames around the feet or nothing like it's just like it just parted like the Red Sea. It was just yeah. absolutely bizarre. A, a lot of egregious trailer shots. That's what I was gonna say a second ago. The, the, yes. the lava, lots of trailer shots. Oh, for sure. Let's, yeah, there's, uh, there's that great. Sh- sorry, there's that that great shot of Robin Hood uh, jumping out of a window and turning back and firing into a building, and he's got like you know he's holding a whole bunch of sacks of money and mm. entirely made for the trailer because again like this is that is just in a montage we don't even get to see who he was shooting and oh, and yeah. and then he he lands and then seen over and yeah so there's a lot of there's a lot of um uh, cool stuff that's just totally wasted because they're using it improperly yeah there's a lot of montages in this movie too like there's a montage <laughs> is there ever there's a montage where he does sexy training with little john and there's a montage where he actually does all of the crimes that we really would have wanted to see him do and like there's a montage where he like rallies the people to to pull off the the big the the final big robbery and a lot of the stuff that they're racing through with these montages is the stuff that I actually might have wanted to linger in to- <laughs> and uh especially like his like crime spree whereas then we linger in the scenes where not really much is happening and the dialogue is kind of stilted and boring and the chemistry between the actors is weird and off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can name one other thing that I liked. I like the idea that the, um, they they rob, um, is, is it the church's vault, I think? Yeah. At one point, right? And um, after, like, they they don't, it's not successful. They don't end up stealing anything. And, uh, and... Uh, Robin Hood is complaining about it to Little John afterwards, and he says, "No, that's fine. That's uh, you know, we we got their attention. That's what we wanted." So I kind of I kind of like that idea. Like you know, the the intentionality uh, was uh, was just to stir up trouble and not necessarily like get away with everything scot free. So that was okay. Yeah, speaking yeah, both of the church characters were kind of fun, and this movie was like staunchly anti Christian. So I guess I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was like the most anti-Christian blockbuster I've ever seen in my entire life. At one point, uh, one of the uh, churchmen members says out loud that the church just invented hell whole cloth out of nothing. Because it's the most, uh, fear is the greatest tool in the church. Yeah, the quote is, yeah. fear is the greatest tool in the church's uh, toolkit. And in, in God's uh, in God's toolkit. I think he in said God's something about God. Or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's why they created uh, hell. Like, yeah. Uh, that was the Cardinal played by Salieri, by the way. Another actor wasted on this movie. Yeah, it's too bad because I think, like, given given the aesthetics and and the energy of the movie, I think um, you know you could have had a lot of actors in this movie just chewing the scenery and having a lot of fun. I like. It seems to me that Jamie Foxx is having a lot of fun. Oh, he's it's just he's got really he's good got nothing to work with. He's yeah. he's quite good in this movie, actually. If anything, I would say he's the standout performance. Mm-hmm. 
and and I mean he's yeah. surrounded by a, lo- a lot of other really good actors, but he is like standing head and shoulders above pretty much all of them because he he gives it his all. Like he tries real hard in this film, you guys, and he's a very talented <laughs> actor. Um, and it comes across like he's he he is a very good actor doing a very good job in what is not a very good movie. Yeah, there's there's yeah, a couple the- of lines that he delivers where you're like, that is a bad line done well. Yeah, <laughs> no, legit, legit. His uh, his scene with um, the sheriff of Nottingham in the prison, I, I think that is probably the best constructed and, and um, best written scene in the entire movie, um, where the sheriff of Nottingham is using... Uh, uh, John's religion against him uh, in order to get what he wants. I thought it was, yeah, it was well-crafted and um, and there was a lot of really good tension between the two in that scene. So, you know, there's the movie wasn't a total loss. At least we got that. Yeah, that was an interesting scene. Um, though, uh, yes, yeah, one of those scenes that made me like a little yikes where I'm like, I don't know that this movie... It's not that it's talking about things that are unreasonable or like racist or something, but like, I'm like, I don't think this is the movie. You don't have the grace to be bringing up some of the things you're bringing up here. Um, like the weird, like Arabian um, and like Muslim racism was like, yeah, I'm like, this isn't the movie. You guys aren't well, the ones to be unpacking part of the this. reason. Part of the reason why that was jarring to me was because it's period appropriate. I mean, they're literally fighting the Crusades at that time. So that's going to be. A thing that's going on but at the same time on the flip side you've constructed such a modern film because it's got the modern aesthetic it's got the modern attitude it's got the modern almost the modern language that having that period appropriate racism comes across as like modern racism and it's real cringy yeah Yeah. cringy is the right word for it i think i think that's what i um dislike the most about the Black Hawk Down esque opening uh, that we got, like, like this. It looks like it looks like a uh, a the scene lifted lifted straight out of yeah the Hurt Locker or or any of the you know, numerous movies that have been made about Iraq or whatever. Right, so it's hard. You can like if you're if you're if you're using that aesthetic, um, it's really hard to divorce yourself from you know the whole iraq war and the and the racism and and the disgust associated with it and yeah like it's just that i you know i i I didn't i didn't like that scene at all i felt i i i was um i was uh, uncomfortable through almost all of it i mean the the ridiculous aesthetics with the bows aside yeah it was just yeah it was no good agreed well, it sounds like uh, we've all got some, some... I actually have some some earnest fixes. I think this movie is not irredeemable, and I, I uh, suspect you fellows are the same. So uh, let's say we uh, move to our fixes and notes in the second half. Today, we are excited to tell you about ATV's new podcast, Future Of. Join Todd Hirsch, ATV's Vice President and Chief Economist, as he connects with special guests who offer unique and useful perspectives about the future. Explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. 
From the future of women in business to the changing of nature of work itself, the future of helps us understand what's coming and what we need to do today to get the tomorrow we want. Featuring two episodes each month, plus a bonus episode, that could be three, four, I unclear how many episodes you're getting, but it will be no less than two. Uh, bonus episodes, the future of includes interviews with top community and business leaders from Alberta and around the world. Subscribe to The Future Of in the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. Connect to them and ask your questions about the future by emailing thefutureof at atb.com. Glass Bookshop Radio is the official podcast of Glass Bookshop. Founded by Jason Purcell and Matthew Stepanek, Glass Bookshop is an independent bookseller in Edmonton, Alberta, which focuses on Canadian writing with special attention to LGBTQ2S plus and BIPOC writers and the independent publishers who help to produce their works. Tune into Glass Bookshop Radio for interviews with their favorite writers, publishers, and readers. To listen and read more, head to glassbookshopradio.com. And we are back. Uh, Robin Hood, Greg, Scott, what are your thoughts? Um, Well, I mean, the best fix I could figure for this movie would kind of take us almost back to a page one rewrite. And that's kind of not really what we're supposed to be about. But it the more I thought about it, the more I liked my idea. And the more I'm surprised it's never really been done to the best of my knowledge. Which is, why wasn't this a heist movie? Yeah, there was like a, even Ocean's moments where they type? It. Yeah, like, like picture a medieval setting with Robin Hood as Danny Ocean. And he's like, I need to knock off the church's treasury because the sheriff of Nottingham is stolen from all the people. Uh, and like, he's got his friend, little John there and little John's like, well, that's impossible. Like you'd need, you'd need a dozen men to pull this off. And he's like, looks like I'm going to need to find some merry men. And he puts together his heist crew and all of them have their specialty. And then you run it like a heist movie, like a straight up. Ocean's Eleven style heist movie with like the twists and turns you'd expect in a heist where, oh, they've been caught. Oh, but have they? Because they planned for this. You could still have a couple action beats in there with with some some fighting and some bow shooting. And but it's all centered around one robbery, one elaborate robbery. And then, of course, they get away with it because they're Robin Hood. And they they leave the the sheriff of Nottingham with egg on his face, and because it's a really successful heist movie, you have your sequel bait. But this time it works because you get greenlit for a sequel. Because everyone likes a heist movie, and it's a really good idea for a heist movie. And I'm legit surprised no one's ever gone. Robin Hood should be a heist movie. Yeah, it's. It I'm going really... to write a Robin Hood heist movie now. That Hollywood expect my pitch. Like that is coming. You know, if, um, I mean, this movie's supposed to be a uh, Robin Hood prequel, and if you wanted to do that with your with your heist uh, proposal, it would be really interesting to have um, Robin Hood uh, at the end sort of sacrifice him, himself and get caught in place of all of his merry men. And at that point, he gets stripped of all his noble titles and then shipped off uh, to the Crusades as just like a, an a ordinary soldier. And then you get that sort of that sequel bait that, oh, he's going to come back. He's going to come back and get his revenge. Yeah, you could do something like that for sure. 
I mean, even just him getting caught and then there's part of your sequel bait, right? I always thought yeah. that the, the sequel bait, like after the sheriff of Nottingham, like loses all the money. In my version of the movie, the sequel bait would be like the sheriff is fuming in his office and then a messenger comes running in and he's like, my lord, I've I've got a message from from the prince. And the sheriff goes, gulp. And that's like, oh, we've just teased Prince John as the big bad. Which, yeah. by the way, Prince John should be the big bad. He has actually usurped the throne from Richard in this time period because Richard's off busy playing crusade. It does not end well for King Richard, uh, historically, <laughs> people. Uh, just spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, and the, the, the ending, uh, I'll be, if, if I may, because I, I, I think heist is not only a brilliant fix for this movie, but yeah, absolutely something I can't believe has been on the table that no one's picked up. Well, because everyone thinks, because the first Robin Hood movies are swashbuckling movies, and so yeah. everybody associates Robin Hood with being an action blockbuster. But it's like, no, Robin Hood is a thief. Let yeah. him steal. Yeah, Let the man you. steal. Um, but I want to actually take on to your other point about the ending. And honestly, my my note for this uh, is is just they should have done a second pass with the dialogue. Not even this, like the script, like the story structure, more or less makes sense. Um, more or less. Um, but I, I, my my notes are read two or three more passes at the dialogue to make it interesting and not <laughs> brain numbingly stupid. Um, but also. I laughed out loud, and again, funniest movie we've watched in a while, <laughs> the ending. The ending is hilariously audacious, because not only do they sequel bait you, as if to be like, anyone is coming back for more of this, like the, honey, I'm not thinking about this movie ten minutes after it's over, <laughs> let alone carrying emotional, like, uh, um... Uh, anticipation for the sequel like don't don't kid yourself it's a real like you know rolling off of someone and looking at him like oh did, did you finish energy at the end there where it's like well i know none of this was good nobody wants a sequel um that on top of the narrator um friar tuck tim Minchin, treasure very good stuff um the narrator has a line where he goes Seems so. They're like they've got all the all the gold. They're like hauling ass into the forest, and he goes, "Seems like a pretty good spot for an ending." And I'm like, "Yeah, this movie's over. They, they did it. He goes, it's not the end of the story." And I'm like, "Oh damn, is there going to be some like extra subterfuge? Is this where this movie's going to get interesting?" And they just do like a long, juicy sequel bait of of Will whoever Will Gray, let's call him. Um, uh, uh, being like, I'm the new sheriff, come get me. And then Robin Hood's like, I'm going to come get you. Sequel bait. And I was like, the f what am I watching? Like, <laughs> read the room. Like, no, I don't want a sequel. And you literally yanked the sequel out from under, or not the sequel, the ending. Like, they literally go, I know this seems like a good place for an ending, but the story's not over. And then the movie ends. They tell you the story's not over, but they end the movie. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> That's my biggest problem with this whole damn thing. I the 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 sequel baiting I think is is particularly egregious in this one because egregious. it happens to also it, it it happens also to reset the story entirely. Yeah. Like like when you think about it for 2 seconds you're like, "Oh, it's it's like it's we're literally back to the start." Like like there isn't like the, the Robin Hood is is essentially exiled again, or or out of England. Mm -hmm. You know, he's uh, he's uh, he's 
he's an outlaw just like it was at the start like or uh and uh and then there's a new sheriff of nottingham who's seems to have the same uh, grudges as the first one like he and he's even wearing this the exact same suit yeah, yeah. Did look he, any different did he did he like take <laughs> the so old sheriff's wardrobe it's like, it's like hey this, this movie's starting over again yeah it undermines the whole thing and it's just it's yeah. hilarious it's like what did we do any of this for <laughs> it's like a ski lift <laughs> i want to believe that the, if they had done a sequel uh he would have uh defeated will gray and killed that sheriff of nottingham and then he'd be replaced by a third sheriff of nottingham and that would be the sequel hook for the next movie. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> it's just always, there's always a new just... sheriff in town. <laughs> no I kind of, I thought about that a little bit where I thought the idea of like a, a, a repeating story might be kind of um, apropos for some of the themes that are inherent to, to Robin Hood. Like the, the idea that like, there's always a next one, um, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, um, political forces and, and, uh, and religious forces. It just like, it feels like, especially in these times, like it, whenever you knock one down, just like another one just keeps, just crops right up again. And like, and, and it feels like no matter how hard, you know, the, the, the commoners or the working class work, like it's, you know, there's always someone who's running back up to the top and then pushing, pushing their boot down on them. So I thought, I thought that would be sort of fun to explore through the context of Robin Hood a little bit, just to like the idea that like you just can't get ahead of it. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, that would make for a much more depressing Robin Hood, I suppose. But uh, maybe that's just where my mindset is at. No, I think there's definitely an appetite for um, uh, like a class struggle uh, yeah. th- story told through the perspective of Robin Hood. I mean, literally, I'm hoping we get a little, little of that Google Analytics on this because Robin Hood is in the news with the whole GME thing. So, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Like, right on it's, time. it's very <laughs> apropos, and this, this was not the movie for that, but this, it could be for sure. I, it, it felt like they were trying to meddle in it a little bit, but just <laughs> not. The script was obviously wasn't uh, yeah. smart enough to really have much to much to say about it. Um, I, I, I want to. Uh, go back to a moment in the very beginning of the movie when um Jamie Foxx's character is about to kill uh Loxley in the uh wherever they are in the crusades and he's choking him out and everything goes dark and then Robin sees a visage of Marion right so you get the, the the movie's telling you like oh like this is his true love and and like that this is going to be his last thought before he dies that's how much he loves her uh which would work except that we literally just met Marion like 30 seconds ago before he was shipped off to war and the only the we basically told that they that they they fall in love but we get no uh we get nothing with them to really understand like um you know the relationship at all so all of that falls flat and it and it and it obviously like the the whole movie is centered around at one point robin tells marion that he started being robin hood or starting being the hood solely just because he wanted her back you know uh, and so if like it, like if that's the thrust of the movie then that relationship's pretty important, and when you don't develop it, the rest of your movie's going to be pretty flat. 
And you know, if we if we spent a lot more time in the beginning, just uh, getting uh, you know having having more fun um, with the two of them and, and seeing how their relationship blossoms. And and I think if you throw um, what's his name, I mean, we kept calling him Will Scarlet, but he's not Will Scarlet. He's some other Will. Will Gray. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is the guy that uh, if you haven't seen the movie, he's the guy that ends up being the new sheriff of Nottingham at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, if, you know, if he's going to be in conflict with, with Robin Hood throughout the film, uh, just because they have different ways of trying to go about, you know, uh, you know, improving things for the working class. I think that, um, you know, it would be much more interesting if Robin and him were friends in some way at the beginning of the film, we get a little bit of time understanding their relationship so that when, Robin comes back from the Crusades and Will has now in a relationship with his with Marion. There's a whole bunch of extra juicy tension there and sort of like, um, you know, ethical questions about like, well, this is my friend and like, should I try and, <laughs> you know, should I be trying to steal my girl, my girlfriend back from her or whatever? Or, you know, I think it just makes that whole it would make that whole relationship much richer. Um, and you can kind of explore um, a little bit more of their worldviews. And you could actually delete the entire Crusades scene entirely um, if you wanted to, or at least a good a good chunk of it, uh, in favor of developing those relationships. And also having a nice scene where, you know, we see Marion, you know, distraught over Robin having to leave for the Crusades, you know, because... She feels like he's going to die, and then of course her worst fear is realized, and 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 they tell her that she's dead, and then she kind of tries to move on with her life or whatever. So, like that, that's that's kind of like where I feel the movie has has gone wrong right off the hop, and you know it, we can sort of um, workshop a little bit how to you know you know maybe it turns into a heist movie after that. I don't know, Scott. Maybe I'm maybe I maybe my version is probably a little bit too love-focused, and maybe there's not enough room to have a fun old heist in there well, as well. But. to be fair, like, Robin Hood is is a robust property. Like, it's it's a very old myth, and it's a romantic myth, and it's like a swashbuckly myth, and it's a thiefy myth. So there's room in there for it to be a romance, and there's room in there for it to be an action film. Arguably, Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves, is a romance, right? Like it's it's a romantic yep. movie, and it's so it's, is oceans. If you think about it, kind of yeah. That's <laughs> basically what ocean he's trying to do is steal his girlfriend back, right? More or less, one. yeah. Um, in my version, conceptually, in my heist version, Marion is brought in on the heist. Like she's an integral part of it. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not she's not just some ingenue. She's actually like an integral part of the machine that Robin Hood is putting together. Yeah, because so she's a cool character and she deserves some right. agency. Sorry, what's that? Because she's a cool character who deserves some agency, which yes. she has for a hot minute in this movie. Well, I, I was about to say that. That's what I was going to say. To the to this movie's credit, <clears throat> the the triangle is between. Uh, I guess not. Damn it! It turns into the bad guy. I was about to give a credit, and I can't. I was going to say the triangle <laughs> is between two likable characters and and a, and a woman, which is not progressive or Bechdel testy at all. Um, but at the very least, it didn't do the thing where she's like. I, I'm with the sheriff now and I have to be here. I've been forced to marry him. Like, didn't pull any of that shit, which is like, 
a low bar, kind but, of, you know. But then it kind of pulls the rug out from under you in the end. And, and then it, that's what I was just that. saying. As I was about yeah. to give it that credit, it dawned on me. Oh, wait, the villain's extra um, motive for this, please don't give a sequel, um, is that he's also, you know, jealous that he, but he took his girlfriend, so... Speaking of the Bechtel test, is there another woman speaking role in this movie at all? No. Yeah. No, that's not true. There are some background characters who are women who do have like one or two lines here or there. I don't think they interact with Marion at any point. No, there's and, no other. Uh, they are, those don't count. People yeah. yelling, yeah, we should follow him. All right. Don't count. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're not characters. They're, they're extras. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they got their Screen Actors Guild paycheck, I guess. But like, that's it. That's all that they. That's as far to, as they got. To be fair, Robin Hood Men in Tights makes fun of how the Robin Hood legends are very much a sausage party. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you are correct, though, Greg. Yeah, an, an emotional heart um, would give it uh, much more thrust. And uh, in, in, you said we just cut that um, Arabia scene holes out. That should be a montage. Make that the montage. You still you still get Jamie Foxx out of it in the end. Yeah, um, I suppose like if you're going to keep the the character of Jamie Foxx, I suppose like them meeting uh, overseas, like like the way Prince of Thieves does it is that they're um, they're just stuck in prison together, right? Yeah, and they escape together, which is a you know a good way of of them forming a bond and and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, um, yeah, and, and, and as I recall, in the in Prince of Thieves, it's that whole sequence is fairly short; doesn't really take a whole lot of time. No, but yeah, I mean, uh, I just, I, I mean, I'm so, I was so uncomfortable with that scene as a, as a whole, and and not to take like like an entire action sequence out of an action movie, but I don't know, it's just it just didn't it just didn't work for me, and yeah. I'd rather in the movie spend more time uh, ginning us up for the cool action to come. Uh, ra- you know, and, and making sure that we care about the characters first before before we get to anything. Yes, the irony is that that initial uh, section in the Crusades does a really good job of setting up Guy of Gisborne as a villain, and mm-hmm. then he's largely <laughs> wasted on the rest of the film. Like, yeah. they, he doesn't he doesn't really get defeated. Uh, the he's the guy who lops off John's son's head, but John never like interacts with him again. Like it's does Marion get him and that's weird. the last we see of him? Yep. Oh my god. Yep, he is. Uh <laughs> it's it's just like you you actually did build him up as a really effective villain. And then he shows up with his scary like black ops team. Yeah. And he's, then he's cut. Like he's bench him. <laughs> he's and then he you bear you barely see him again. Like he's <clears throat> built up as a threat yeah. and then He's largely wasted on the rest of the film. Yeah, Robin Hood already has villains. He wastes time in the beginning. The time we spend with him, you make Arabia a little shorter. Maybe it's a montage, and you spend a little more time uh, uh, worshiping and uh, getting to know and getting to spend quality time with bows and arrows and also Marion. <laughs> yeah, it definitely changes so that there. like most everyone's using a sword, and Robin is the guy who's standing out for for Legolasing all over the place. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think we can uh, call that fixed. Let us uh, dust our hands. Close <laughs> also, once vault. again, Hollywood so. producers expect my pitch. Indeed, yeah. No, I think you're onto something. And so were our listeners. Thank you again to everyone who commented on our various social media uh, uh, askings uh, for your comments on on the film. It was a bit short notice on this one, uh, and all of you came through with what I think was a pretty consistent. 
uh, feedback on this movie. Uh, I think it rung true for a lot of people. Uh, for example, Stephanie Chan says, wait, there was a Robin Hood movie in 2018? And uh, Herman Ariel uh, comments, Stephanie Chan, well, that's exactly my thought. Um, when Dean when Alexander I said Welch. we were, to, to be fair, when I said we were watching the recent Robin Hood movie, Anita thought we were talking about the Ridley Scott one starring uh, yeah, Russell Crowe. Yeah, she legitimately yeah. didn't realize that this version was a movie. Uh, Dean Alexander Welsh. Uh, I didn't see it, but if it didn't have an arrow cam like the Kevin Costner one, was it even worth watching? Short answer, <laughs> the no. answer was no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, it, the whole movie just, it, it's one of the movies that assumes you're not paying attention. Like, it assumes you're, like, looking at your phone or, like, not, you know, fully engaged with it or not. It assumes you're going to forget about it five minutes later. Which is, again, why I think prompting a sequel is absolutely audacious. Uh, <laughs> like, who's, who, in what world do, does anyone care about a sequel? Uh, Louise Bourne says, uh, This Robin Hood seemed more true to history than the Kevin Costner Robin Hood. Jamie Foxx was great. Really good special effects. Um, I hate to break it to you, but this is not a very historically accurate movie in any way. <laughs> it is an incredibly modern movie that's... Again, I, I said earlier, it's like a modern movie dressed up for a Ren fair, but a very modern Ren fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it I did I, look pretty I, though. Perhaps. <laughs> I, I don't know about the special effects though. Uh, I think I might disagree there too because that chase sequence had a lot of real bad green screen in it. Feeling like sort of like early 2000s uh, compositing. Dun 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 the Dragon. It's, it's real bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Harley Muncie comments. I always felt the scene with Dom DeLuise doing the Brando impression fell a little flat, even though I really enjoyed his pet lizard. And Dirty Harry reference also kind of comes out of nowhere. Still a classic, though. Richard Lewis kills it, and it's fun to see a young Dave Chappelle. <laughs> yeah, Robin Hood Men in Tights is, uh, like, top three Mel Brooks movies for me. Possibly top two. Definitely mm -hmm. top three. Harley, a little... A little... <laughs> A little dated, uh, and some of there is some cringy humor in it now. In retrospect, but still, still pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, like the Prince of Thieves. Like, I was thinking, like that's an ostensibly better movie than this one. And then I was thinking about the last, uh, the climax of Prince of Thieves, where there's like a hilarious rape scene. Like it doesn't. It ends in a pretty problematic fashion. Yeah. Uh -huh. Which is, I mean, a shame, kind of, because it is Alan Rickman just hoovering up scenery left yeah, and right throughout yeah. that movie. He is yeah. he is swaggering through that movie uh, as the sheriff of Nottingham, having so much fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> why a spoon, cousin? Because it's <laughs> dull. It'll hurt more. Well, see, I don't know. Should I watch it or not? I don't. Yes, <laughs> definitely watch two, it. Two sentences, 100%. conflicting reports. <laughs> you should definitely watch that movie. A hundred percent. For those of you just joining us, Liam has never seen the Kevin Costner Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, and Greg and I, I think, are both in the camp of yes, you should watch that movie. 
Yeah. We're not saying it's good, but we're saying yeah. you should definitely you'll, watch you'll, it. Yeah, you'll grit your teeth through the end, but um, over it's it's a pretty good movie overall. So, well, maybe the narrator can come in like this one and be like, seems like a pretty good place to end it, but actually... <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, sequel bait, and it's not over. Everything is undone. Back to no. Um, uh, as with our podcast, we are all done, and we will reset anew with a new film with which to share our thoughts and uh, uh, a new uh, list of notes on ways, uh, uh, you know, hindsight has benefited us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> after after a movie with such a, such a like, what's the word i'm looking for shallow such a shallow plot why don't why don't we go for something overly complex next and something really long too that we can just that we can just like sit and and like languish in for hours a real intellectual pursuit Mm, stroke our chins Mm, what about (laughs) the da vinci code Code. (laughs) they were gonna do the da vinci code next gang so I'm going to start that now, and I figure by the time we record again, it'll be over. Um, <laughs> no, I'm stoked. I like I like Tom Hanks. I truly I truly enjoy Tom Hanks. So should be good. Yeah, I've, I've never seen the Da Vinci Code. This will <clears> be uh, an excuse to finally get around to watching it. I uh, I worked in chapters when that book came out. I remember selling it in hardcover. Anyway, that's that's boring uh, tidbits for next uh, episode. <laughs> Until yeah. then, uh, uh, thank you all for uh, again commenting, those who commented. Uh, and you can follow along with us on social media at I Have Some Notes on Twitter. Uh, look up I Have Some Notes on Facebook. And of course, I Have Some Notes.com. Uh, wherever you get the podcast and listen to it, please give us a, a review. Please give us a like. Whatever, however that platform doles out uh, head pats, uh, we want them because uh, it really does help <laughs> us out. Another way to help us out is to support the Alberta Podcast Network. You can check out a bunch of different podcasts right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. There are podcasts on innumerable subjects, from uh, Bollywood movies to barbecue. You'll find something there that is to your liking. So once again, check it out, albertapodcastnetwork.com. As I said, Da Vinci Code is in two weeks, and and boy, yeah, you know, um, sometimes we have a real dilly of a pickle trying to trying to choose the next movie. So uh, send us your suggestions. Um, you know, if you want to, if there's something a movie that uh, that just didn't wasn't quite right, didn't sit quite right with you, um, let us know what it is. We want to know. Indeed. Uh, until then, I'm Liam Kresak. I'm Scotty Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Wash your hands, wear a face mask, Black Lives Matter, and keep watching that sky.